Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight. I'm going to start a series on Wednesday nights. It's going to be a Wednesday night series on hosting the presence of God in our lives. Hosting the presence of God in our lives. You can turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And that's where we will begin tonight in Romans chapter 8. Now, just let me say a few things about this before we get going. And I know we'll get the offering later, God. We'll get it later. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for reminding me. But in Romans chapter 8, now before, before we really get going on, on this, just let me say a few things about this, okay? I'll give you a little preview of what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday morning. Touch your neighbor and say, God's greatest desire is you. That means that God wants, if I can say this right, God wants to live big in us. And when we talk about the presence of God, the Bible, the Bible talks about us being the dwelling place of God or the temple of God, but when we think about the fact that God Himself said that He would put the Holy Spirit in us, when we think about the fact that Jesus said, you know, I'm going to leave the earth and I'm going to go so He can come back and live inside of you and dwell inside of you, then that gives us a little glimpse. Listen to me very closely. I've been studying this for a while and I'm full of it, okay? <laughs> All right. This gives us a little glimpse of the value that both God and the Holy Spirit, or God and Jesus, put on the Holy Spirit. If God was willing to take of His Spirit and put it inside of us, if He was willing to send His Son Jesus to die on Calvary for us, if Jesus was willing to do that to open up an avenue for God to actually be able to come and live inside of us and dwell inside of us, and then Jesus said, okay, I'll get out of the way so this can happen. Are you getting this? Are you getting this picture? then that tells me that God has great value. He holds great value in connecting with us. And He holds great value in the, in the possibility of the Holy Spirit living inside of mankind. Now, let me say this to help us better understand this. The Holy Spirit comes into us for us. the Holy Spirit comes upon us and through us for others. Did you hear me? Now we're going to dig a little bit with this because I want us to understand what it means to host the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 7, this will build on this a little bit. In John chapter 7, I don't have this in my notes or anything, but the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being inside of us like a river. Not a lake. A river. A river. We are not the reservoir of the presence of God. We are the conduit of the presence of God. So... In order for us to host Him, then we must be willing to give Him away. We must be willing to allow Him to use us to reach out and, and touch other people. Now in Romans chapter 8, trying to lay that uh, a little bit of a foundation here. I just want you guys to understand where we're going with this. It's going to take us a little while to get through this. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse number 9. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, we will die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, if ye through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Father, we come to you tonight, and Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to accurately communicate and effectively communicate what it means for your presence to dwell in us and to flow through us. I pray that you would just touch me. Touch me. Speak through me. Teach through me. Flow through me into the hearts and into the lives of every single person here tonight. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We as Christians have the great opportunity of hosting the presence of God. Now, I want to say something here in the beginning. When we talk about the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the Bible says that when we give our life to Christ that God sets up His residence inside of us and that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. Now I want to talk a little bit about the difference between being filled with the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit because therein lies the difference between us and what some of our like our Baptist friends believe. Okay? The word baptize comes from the Greek word baptismo, which means to be completely submerged, as if to be completely submerged, like a sponge, within and without, to be submerged in water. We can take a cup, we can take a glass, we can fill it up with water all the way to the top, and it's still not baptized, it's just filled. There's a whole lot of people today, and when you give your life to Christ, you have the opportunity to become filled with God and filled with the Spirit of God up to the brim. But when we become baptized or completely submerged within and without baptismo, then we become baptized in the Holy Spirit and that's when the tongues come and that's when the flow of the Spirit comes. And let me say this about Holy Spirit, okay? When when God said that, that He would give us the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is the down payment of what God wants to do in your life spiritually. In other words, it's the door. It's the opening place. It's it's the entrance into spirit-led living and the spirit-led life. And those of us who are Christians who have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we first experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, but then we become baptized with the Holy Spirit. And those of us that have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit... I don't think any of us would ever go back because we know what it's like to just get soaked in His presence, to just get soaked in the Holy Ghost. We know what it's like to be praying until the Holy Spirit comes over us with groanings which cannot be uttered and where the Spirit begins to pray in us and through us, around us and the presence of God begins to manifest or show Himself openly around us and in our lives and through our lives. So as a Christian, every single person who gives their life to Jesus Christ qualifies for the experience that I'm talking about tonight. You say, well, do I have to live real good? You have to be saved. None of us lived good before we were saved, but then the Lord saved us and washed us and cleansed us and renewed us and made it just as if we had never sinned, which is the root of the word justification. 
has justified us and made it just as if we had never sinned. And then he said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit and position you to be baptized with my spirit so the Holy Spirit not only comes in you, but the Holy Spirit can flow through you to be a light and so you can produce the supernatural power of God in the world today. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in verse number 9, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, when we look at this, the Bible said, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. When we look at this, then we understand that one of the true marks, probably the truest mark of a born-again Christian is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, God dwells in you. I said, if you're a Christian, God dwells in you. Now, what you do with that presence is up to you. Because God's not going to cross the will of man. God's not going to do that. But he said, you know what? I'm here. You can use me. You can open up to me. I'll flow through you. I'll do amazing things for you. I want to be your partner in a spirit-led life. But we have to, first of all, recognize that He's there. And then secondly, we have to open up to Him so He can do what He wants to do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So when we give our life to Christ, it's a life of surrender. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Savior of my soul, the seat of my mind and my will and my emotions. When we give our life to Christ, it is an act of total surrender to God and we surrender ourselves over to Him. And then the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 that we become the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when we become the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said that we have the Holy Ghost from God or through God and we no longer are our own. Now, the power of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and flowing through us is found in the word dwell, which means to occupy. To occupy a house that is or to reside, to inhabit, to remain or to co habit. Now, look at verse number 9 again. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 again. I don't know if they can get it up there or not. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 again, it says this. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So first of all, in verse number 9, the Bible says that the believer is in the Spirit. Okay? Then secondly, it says, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So in verse number 9, the second thing it says, it says that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So you're in the Spirit and the Spirit is in you. And then we go on and then the Bible said, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the third thing, the, the believer is said to have the Spirit of Christ. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit of God dwells in us, and we have the Spirit of Christ in us. Therefore, the triune Godhead, or the Trinity, resides inside of us. That's the Trinity right there in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. Now, the Bible says that the Spirit of Christ indwells the believer, and the Spirit of God both indwell the believer. Now, here's a couple more scriptures here. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Have you ever printed something out? You know, I was working on this outline and I printed it out and when I went to get it off the printer it was on cardstock because somebody had put cardstock in there. <laughs> Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6 says, And because ye are sons, because you're what? Sons. sons. Touch your neighbor and say, I see the family resemblance. <laughs> yeah. God dwells in you. And because ye are sons, God hath sent Forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Daddy God, or Abba Father. So the Bible calls us sons, which means that we are 
part of the family of God. And when God identified us as that, He said, I'm going to send the Spirit of my Son, which is Jesus, into your hearts. And immediately there was a response that came out of our spirit and our soul and our heart that calls Him Daddy God. Not just some great big old God up there, some king that you can't access, some great deity that you can't access. No, this is a family connection. This is a family relationship. Daddy God, Abba Father, the one that I love, the Father that I love. Why? Because we're part of the family of God. God calls us sons and the Spirit of Christ is inside of us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 11 says this, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, somebody say Spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see that the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ lives and indwells inside of the believer. The process is this. The lost to give their life to Christ and become a believer. The Holy Spirit moves in that point, in at that point. He sets up shop. He begins His work. He begins to... What is His work? It's to teach and to lead and to guide into all truth. It's to comfort. It's to comfort us. Okay? And so He begins to teach and to lead and to guide the new believer. He begins to comfort the new believer. And He leads them... Now listen to this very closely. When I was putting this down uh, here uh, uh, yesterday, when I was working on this yesterday, I put this down. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I was just... You know, sometimes... You know, there's an anointing that comes for putting a message together just like there is for teaching and preaching it, you know. So really, you know. So I'm going on there and I thought, you know what? When, when we open up ourselves to God and the Holy Spirit begins to live big inside of us, He will lead us, He will teach us, He will guide us, He will advance us, He will comfort us, He will do whatever He can to get us as close to God as we will allow Him. There are no limits to how close you can be to God. No limits. No limits. You can worship your way into the throne room. I said you can worship your way into the throne room. Some people say, well, God never speaks to me. I pray and I worship and God never speaks to me. 66 books of His words. He speaks to you all the time. God will never speak anything to you that's contrary to the Word of God. If you want God to speak to you, open up your Bible and read it, baby. God will speak to you. And He will lead you and He will guide you. And when you open up your Bible and say, well, I don't understand it, then pray and say, Lord, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. You can pray that like one of the apostles did. And when you do, I mean, I prayed that once. I said, Lord, when I was a, a young minister, I said, Lord, I said, I just want to understand your word better. And I began to pray that every day. And I prayed it for about two or three weeks. I said, Lord, just give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And I began to open up the Bible. And I would start, I would get up on Sunday morning there in Cape Girardeau and I'd start preaching in the early 90s and I'd start preaching and I'd have this outline and I'd be ready to go and I'd read the first verse and spend the entire message on that one verse. Why? Because the spirit of wisdom and revelation was just, just lighting me up. It's a pop, 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 pop. And listen to me, honest to God, it got to the point where it got frustrating to me to even read the Bible. Why? Because I couldn't get through a chapter. Because they were just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it was frustrating that I couldn't get through the chapter, but my spirit was just popping all the time. That's what happens when the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's what happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to live big inside of you. And so, and so uh, we talk about the process. We've got we to gotta allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We've got to allow Him to teach us. He'll take us 
as far as we'll let him. He'll, he'll, get to the, he'll get us to the point where we can snuggle up close to God if we want to. I mean, worship, getting us beyond the veil into the presence of an almighty God where we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to help in the time. Well, I don't know what I would say when I got, when I got there. Well, you might not know what you would say, but the Spirit himself will pray with you. He'll pray through you. He'll say what needs to be said as your spirit begins to connect to the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And listen, listen, when that happens, it can literally change the course of nations. Selah. Okay, I'll say it. The reason our nation is in the problem is is in the challenges that it's in, and in the shape that it's in, is because the church has allowed it. The church needs to vote. Understand that. But more than they need to vote, they need to hit their knees, and they need to pray. And they don't need to just, oh God, touch our nation. Oh God, be with our president. Oh God, be with our governor. Oh God, they don't need to, they need to say, I pull down the strongholds that's over this nation in the name of Jesus. I take my position of dominion and authority in the name of Jesus and I come against strongholds of manipulation and strongholds of perversion and strongholds of all of these different things and whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to you. We got to tear down strongholds because the Bible said that we find against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places and we don't fight against them in the voting booth we fight against them on our knees when we are praying in the spirit and the spirit begins to pray through us we can pull down strongholds so now listen When you give your life to Christ, this is the position of the believer. I want you to understand what happens when the presence of God comes inside of you and you begin to host the Holy Ghost, when you begin to host the presence of God. You are no longer positioned in the flesh, but you're positioned in the Spirit. So you're not positioned in the flesh in God's eyes and you don't dwell in the flesh in God's eyes and you will no longer be comfortable with the things of the flesh. And the reason is because the power of the Spirit that identifies you with Christ and the deity lives inside of you and your position now is not just earthly, but we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named. That's why we have authority over the enemy and that's why we have the power to pull down strongholds because we are seated above them in a position of power and authority in the name of Jesus. As a church, and and as the church, I'm talking about the church around the world, we have to understand our position. The power of the Spirit identifies us as being within Christ, as being in Christ. Now listen, whatever spirit dwells within a man, whatever spirit dwells within them, that is the spirit to whom they belong. That's why it's important to understand the scripture when it said the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are are contrary the one to the other. It's true they're contrary and it's true they're fighting and it's true that there is a war inside of us against fleshly things and spiritual things but that war can be decided with a simple decision. You choose. Who am I going to let win? This spirit that's inside of me identifies me with Christ because I'm a born again believer. And I'm full of the spirit of God. If we allow carnality to come inside of us, it'll drive the spirit of God out of us. 
Because God will not cohabit with Satan. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not me that's living, yet not I. Listen, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the manifestations that are taking place through my flesh, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why? Because my flesh has experienced the redemptive power of the Spirit of God that lives inside of me. So my wants are crucified. And my desires are crucified. And that old carnal nature and that old carnal spirit that wars against the Spirit of God... It's crucified in the interest of allowing the Spirit of God to show Himself openly manifest, to show Himself openly on the earth today. It all has to do with surrender. Now, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Christ lives in our heart by faith. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19 says, and to know the love of this same Christ, which passeth knowledge that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Christ means the anointed one. So, and to know the love of the anointed one, the one that was anointed by God, the Son of God, that was anointed by God to come to this earth and die, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge. God's love for us is so unreasonable. There's a part of me that wants to say it's so stinking unreasonable. I mean, it's just unreasonable. It's unreasonable that God would love us so much. He didn't have to, but He did. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, now listen to this, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Then you go on, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works inside of us. What power works inside of us? If we're full of God, then the power of God works inside of us. We are host to the presence of God. We are host to the Holy Ghost. We are host to the power of God. We are host to the anointing of heaven. We are host to everything that Calvary paid for because the connector who made the connection lives in us. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to have my own little jig by myself, I guess. But it gets me all cranked up when I think about those things. (laughs) Now, do you know how hard it is to sit and study this stuff in an office? And just stay in the chair. (laughs) Why? Because it gets your spirit hopping. It gets your spirit pumping. Now, so that's Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9. Now, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10 talks about how that that the the Holy Spirit works inside of us. Let's, Let's just look at it real close here. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10 says, And if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. First, the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit helps us put to death our flesh. It helps us put to death our flesh. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of Righteousness. So there is life there. It's just connected to different DNA. 
Sin will ruin you. It'll ruin you. It'll rob you of the presence of God. It'll rob you of the anointing on your life. It'll rob you of your, your present and your future if you don't get yourself redeemed from it and get yourself free from it. Sin will ruin you. And sin will kill you. The Bible said the body is dead because of sin. The only thing that sin can produce is death. That's it. There is nothing positive that can come out of sin. It will do nothing but produce death. The Bible says, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Your body cannot affect your spirit, but your spirit can affect your body. Boom. I said, I'm not trying to teach over your heads. And that might, be, might sound like a condescending statement. I don't mean it to be that way. But I want you to get this. I want you to understand. I want you to understand that your body cannot produce what you need from God. Only your spirit can. Because, because your body is connected to your flesh, which is connected to a world of carnality, whereas your spirit is connected to God, which is connected to life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if I'm the host to the Spirit of Christ, if I'm the host to the Spirit of God, if I'm the host to the Holy Ghost, and Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, then I'm walking around with abundant life inside of me and my spirit can produce and manifest that on the outside of me and my body can experience the abundant life because of the spirit that's inside of me. My body does not produce life, my body starts dying the day that I'm born. But my spirit starts living the day that I'm born. That's why it's important to become born again. It's the difference in the DNA. Sin will kill you. Sin will destroy you. It'll cause you to live for the gratification of your flesh, but the Spirit of God will cause you to live for the gratification of God, which produces abundant life inside of you. And that abundant life, when it begins to flow inside of you and through you, not only benefits you, but it benefits everyone that's around you, and it becomes an enticement for the kingdom. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, if, if, we're, if, if in Christ, and, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So if we're truly in Christ, when he died, we died. And when he rose, we rose. So, Pastor, I understand what you're trying to say here tonight. You're trying to say God lives in me. That's what you're trying to say. And you're trying to tell me to smarten up and pay attention because I'm the host to the presence of God. That's right. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you to make yourself available, make your spirit available so you can receive the manifestation or the outward showing of the presence of God. You say, but, I, but, but, but what if I don't feel God? 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You might think you're born again because you come to church. You might think you're born again because you grew up in church. You might think you're born again because you prayed a little prayer way back when somewhere and you haven't talked to God very much since then, but you might think you're born again because of that. You might think you're born again because of that. Well, the Bible said we're supposed to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. Listen. Coming to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night no more makes you a Christian than standing in the middle of your garage turns you into a car. No, no. Being in somewhere is different than, than him being in you. And so we have to examine ourselves and we have to ask ourselves, 
do I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because that is the basis of salvation. We have to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. Have I asked, ever, ever asked Him to become the Lord of my life? I mean, the Philippian jailer falls before Paul and Silas and says, What must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. It all starts with faith. We have to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. We have to examine ourselves. We have to examine our belief system. We have to ask ourselves, do I really believe that this is the Word of God? Do I really believe it or is it because I live in a Christian nation? Is it because it's kind of popular to go to church or is it because, you know, mommy and daddy told me that I needed to do this? Why are we even here? We have to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, am I really in relationship with God? And then the Bible says, whether you be in the faith, and then it goes and says, prove your own self, prove your own selves. And then it says, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Either you, either, in the words of the good black brother, either you is or you ain't. I'll let that, that thought, I'll just let it pass on through. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27 says this, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a mystery among the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we talk about Gentiles, we're not talking about non-Jews. We're talking about people that don't have relationship with God, people that are estranged from God. So then we go on here, verse number 11. The Bible says, He quickens our mortal bodies. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, He shall also quicken your mortal bodies. How? By His Spirit that dwells in you. Now let me ask you this question. How is your mortal body ever going to be quickened if the Spirit of God is not in you? Well, what do you mean by the quickening of the Spirit? I mean, when the Spirit of God lives inside of you and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see somebody or you feel the direction of the Holy Spirit and you're thinking, oh man, I need to go stop. I need to go do that. I need to turn down this road. I need to, I need to go talk to that person. I need to go uh, take somebody a me- that, that person there a meal or something like that. I mean, that's the quickening of the Spirit of God. When you're walking down the aisles there in Walmart and you pass somebody and all of a sudden this compelling thing just comes over top of you and you just got to turn around and you got to go back and strike up a conversation with someone so you can pray a 30-second prayer over. That's the quickening of the Spirit of God. I have a situation going on right now at the gym there, Anytime Fitness. I'm down there most of the time. I go to Life Fitness every now and then, but most of the time it's Anytime Fitness. It's just right down the street and I can go there at night when there's not a whole lot of people. And so um, I was telling Donna about it yet. Donna about it yesterday. I told her I said there's this guy there that I'm seeing there a whole lot. And about three or four months ago, I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me towards him a little bit. So he was on a treadmill. So I just got on the treadmill beside him, and we're going on. And I'm and I'm just praying, Lord, oh Lord, you know I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh Jesus, help. <laughs> Lord, help me, you know. And the Lord kind of helped me because he turned over and he looked at me and he said, you know, if you hit that button right there, he said, it'll get that thing going a little bit quicker. I looked at him, I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-uh. So he smiled at me and he said, my name's Luke. I said, nice to meet you, Luke. And so we just kept going on, kept going on. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit said, that's enough. And so, so every now and then, almost every time I go down there, I'll see him there in the gym. And um, it's gotten to the point now, if he comes in, he'll say, hey, he, he doesn't even know my name. I know his. But he doesn't, and, and that's because I think it's an assignment. It's a God assignment. He said, hey, you know, like that. And I said, hey, Luke, how you doing? I'm doing good. And so every now and then I'll be pumping some weight or something like that. And he'll say, three more wet reps. I'm like, go get on the treadmill. Get away from me. <laughs> you know, and he just laugh and giggle. You know, but we don't talk a lot. It's just a little bit, and it's this relationship kind of thing that's kind of building, you know. And I know it's a God thing. I know it's something that God's doing. So the other day, about two days, actually it was yesterday. It was yesterday. So yesterday, um, he comes in, and I hadn't seen him in almost a week, and he comes in, and I saw him, and he was just grinning. 
And I said, how are you doing, Luke? He said, I'm doing good. He said, how was Christmas? I said, it was wonderful. Let me show you what I got for Christmas. And I showed him a picture of my grandbaby. He said, oh, that's great. That's great. Like that. And I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. And, and he said, yeah, yeah, man, that's good. That's good. And so then he goes on and he's doing his work and I'm doing mine. And I'm over there in the corner and I'm getting ready to do leg lifts. And I'm over there and, and I see him just kind of come through there. He's got his phone like this. Now, you have to understand, we, have, we talk in like two or three sentences and that's about it. And it's because the Holy Spirit just keeps saying, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. So he's coming and he's kind of looking up at me and he's going like that and he's a little bit shy and he's kind of looking at me. And I said, come on. So he came over and he said, let me show you what I looked like 15 years ago. I said, okay. So he showed me a picture of where he was in traction. He said, this was me 15 years ago. He said, I fell. He said, I hit my head. I was in a coma for four weeks. And he said, I had to have brain surgery. He pulled his hair back and he showed me this big scar and things like that. And I looked at him and I wanted to say, wow, praise God. And I just about said, wow, praise God, like that. And it's like the Lord said, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, just, okay, okay, that's great, you know. And I looked at him, I said, well, are you doing good now? And he said, nope, doing great. I said, that's fantastic. And so we talked a little bit. First time we had talked, we stood there for about five minutes and we talked. I found out he's from New Jersey. I found out that he's been down here for about two years. I found out that, that he's doing just fine. He's got an aunt and a cousin or something and one in Homosassa and all these kinds of things. And, and then he said, well, I'll let you get back to your workout. I said, okay. So he took off and the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you'll be patient with me, I'm going to use you to win him to me. That's the quickening of the Spirit. The quickening of the Spirit. I came home, I told Donna, I said, look, I know why I'm at that gym. I know why I'm at that gym. Not just to grunt and try to get in shape, but I know why I'm at that gym. And you know something? A team of wild horses couldn't get, keep me away from there now. You know why? Because there's fruit getting ripe for the picking. And I'm getting ready to win him to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the key is, you've got to wait for the quickening. You have to wait for the quickening of the Spirit. If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. And when the Lord began to, to kind of share that with me, that I'm going to do that, first thing went through my mind, one of these days he's going to stand on the stage at Lakewood and give his testimony about how God spared his life and the enemy thought that he was going to bring him down to Florida and stuff him over in a corner somewhere but God's going to use a testimony out of that man to win thousands of people to Jesus Christ. John chapter 6 and verse number 40 This is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son listen, and believeth on him not just seeing but believing Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Are y'all still with me? Okay. Here's what the Bible says. And the Bible said, Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth. The Bible said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> now when you see the Son, then you start to believe. When you experience the sun, then you start to believe. Oh, taste and see. Sometimes what it takes is an experience with God before you can completely understand God. And that's the same way it is with the Holy Spirit. It takes an experience with the Holy Spirit like the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. People that have never done that can't understand it. They can't understand why you would want to speak in tongues. They don't understand the power that's in that. They don't understand that kingdoms can rise and fall through, the, through your spirit and the, and the spirit of the people in the church's spirits talking and communicating to God. They can't understand the power of pulling down principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named through speaking in other tongues with the spirit of God. They can't understand it. And because they can't understand it, they're against it. 
And they fight against it. And they listen to people that say that this was for the early church. And it went out with the early church. A very simple challenge. Show me the amen in the book of Acts. It's the only book in the New Testament that doesn't have an ending. And the reason is because we're still living in the days of the book of Acts. That's number one. Number two, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 teaches us about speaking in tongues. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. There was a whole lot of crazy stuff going on. And they like to use that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to say that we should no longer speak in tongues. But there's a lot of places in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where the Bible says you do need to speak in tongues. But you have to do it in order. You have to do it in divine order. We have to stay in divine order. Now, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When the Holy Spirit begins to come in you and then begins to flow through you with outward manifestations of the indwelling of the Spirit of God, then the eyes of our understanding can become open and we can begin to see things in the Spirit that we never thought that we would see before. That's why the Bible said, I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. That doesn't mean I'm going to pray in, the, in, the, in tongues and then I'm going to pray in English. That's not what that passage means. It says, I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray in the understanding also. Years ago, I would be praying about different things. And the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I would begin to pray in tongues. And I would think, wow, what in the world is going on? And as I would begin to pray praying in tongues, then my mind would start what I thought was wandering but it was wandering onto these things that I had been praying about before and I was starting to see things click into place. And the Lord began to speak to me through Pastor Callahan, our pastor, through a teaching that he did on praying in the Spirit and praying with understanding also. There are some things that you need to hear from God that you will never hear until you pray in tongues. The understanding of it, the understanding. You, you know, I'll pray in the Spirit and I will pray in the understanding also. I will have understanding also. So what was happening is I was praying in the Spirit and God was making known to me the answers to what I need. So, this is the will of Him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. I'll raise Him up at the last day. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now look in verse number 12. He allows us to know that we are debtors to Christ. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. God says that we are not to be debtors to the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if ye through the Spirit... Now listen to me, it's through the Spirit. If ye through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The Spirit of God can do in you what you will never be able to do in your flesh. The Holy Spirit ensures us that we will live when we surrender our spirit to God. Now, verse number 14. The Bible says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I think next week I'm going to do another one of those teachings that I do occasionally on 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and talk about what the Bible says about tongues in the church today. I feel that direction from the Lord tonight. So here's my question. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So here's my question to you. Do you feel led... Or do you feel driven? Selah. Stop and think about that. Do you feel led or do you feel driven? Because the Spirit of God will lead you. It's your flesh that will drive you. I gotta go do this. I have to go do this. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I just have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it. No, 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 no. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. Your spirit pulls you along. Your flesh pushes you along. The enemy will push you along. I put it down here like this: God leads us, Satan drives us. 
Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse number 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We know we are his sheep when we can identify his voice. Did you hear me? We know we are his sheep when we can identify his voice. And last scripture, John chapter 16 and verse number 13, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Now there was a song that we used to sing years ago in, in church, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. So here's the question. What about the presence of God? What about the fact that we are host to the Holy Ghost? What about the fact that we are host to the presence of God? I don't care what religion says. I really don't. I couldn't give a rip what your denomination or our denomination or any other denomination says. What matters to me is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And you guys know me and you've known me now for a little while. And you know me enough to know that I'll stick to this word like glue. I'll stick to this word like glue. And if God's word teaches me here that the Holy Spirit wants to lead me and guide me into all truth, then that means there might be some things that I have to unlearn that I learned in order to learn what I need to learn. Let the Word of God be your judge. Listen, don't let Pastor Jonathan be your judge. I'll tell you, listen, I'm brave enough to tell you, go home, get this CD, listen to it, dissect what I've taught you. Get in the Word of God. See what the Bible says. Find out for yourself what the Bible says. And whatever the Bible says, that's what you go with. That's what you go with. You, I mean, I'm your pastor and I'll do the very best that I can to lead you in the right way. But if I teach you something that goes against the Word of God, don't you go with what I said. You go with what the Word says. Or someone else coming in here, and they do occasionally, and say a little thing here or there. You stick to the Word. Let the Spirit of God dwell inside of you. Let Him live inside of you. Let Him live big inside of you and manifest on the outside of you. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, you're the host of the Holy Ghost. You're the host of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.